0: Hey everybody, I am professional cyclist Ted King.
1: I am sometimes professional cyclist Laura King.
2: I am your 46-year-old age grouper, Stu Streeter.
0: And welcome to Gravel Kings.
2: Ted and Laura, it is so good to be with you, Stu Streeter, here and I am joined by my good friends, Ted and Laura King, and Some years back, we were on a bike ride together. I don't remember what year, guys. Do you remember? I want to say it was post-COVID, maybe 21. That's believable. Yeah, it's in that zone, probably. And we were in Healdsburg out for a bike ride, and I just found you guys to be charming and delightful and enjoyable to chat with. And in the subsequent years, as our friendship has developed, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to just invite our friends in on that conversation? So welcome to the pod. (laughs) <laughs> it's good to have everybody along for the ride. I'm Stu, an amateur cyclist who just likes to ride. And Ted and Laura King really need no introduction. Ted, former World Tour pro, and Laura, current gravel pro, former triathlon pro. Ted is shredding the gravel scene and we'll get some updates on that later. Uh it's good to be together.
0: It's awesome to be here. Um yeah, you sort of you, you nailed it. I think we met as acquaintances and I mean, there was, there was some sort of gravitational friendship attraction. We've stayed in touch over the years now and, and uh, crossed paths about a couple times a year. So it's, it's been nice to reconnect across the the digital age.
1: And honestly, I mean, that's the power of the bike. It's a tool for, I think for relationship building. Um, And that's something that's been a, special part of the sport for
2: us it's so true well we're sitting here having a drink together in lieu of when we met all those years ago in sonoma county i'm drinking Pliny the elder that felt like the right answer to the question uh you guys are still doing dry january because you're such darn good athletes what are you guys drinking
0: uh yeah hats off to you for for pliny that is a That is a choice beverage, and and it certainly leaves me salivating. I am drinking a beverage called Fuzzy Hat. The brewer is Self Care. They're out of Olympia, Washington. Um, They are the sister brewery to Three Magnets. Three Magnets is the alcohol-forward brewery, and Self Care is the alcohol-free NA beer. Um, uh, The brewer is a cyclist. He reached out some years ago and said, hey, you got to try out our beer, and... I I used to think that non-alcoholic beer was an oxymoron, and what they are making just knocked it out of the park. So I'm drinking this really tasty, fuzzy hat, and I love it. Laura, what's in your cup?
1: Well, it's evening. We're winding down, so I'm drinking a honey vanilla chamomile tea. (laughs) Actually, which I would drink at any time of the day. Um, My friend Devin introduced me to this tea and then mixed it with honey and a little bit of milk and
0: it's delicious. Stu to put a um um I'm not trying to pigeonhole us into the calendar year but we're around the time of the year and you are in the general geographic vicinity of where you can get pliny the younger.
2: Yeah, it's coming. it's usually the second week of March and okay. there's a there's a couple of bars in our town that if you're a regular they actually yep. shut the bar down one afternoon and invite just the regulars in, and they tap a little five-gallon keg of Plenty of the Younger for their regulars.
0: Oh, man.
2: Uh, I can never get it in a bottle. I mean, I have friends who will go wait in line all day for it, but I'm just not that committed to beer. But I have done the parties and had it at the bar, and it's a hoot. Such a good time.
0: And then also to to reference COVID and when we first met, COVID was really good to me for any number of reasons, not least of which I think that was the only time that – um, they have offered Pliny where you didn't have to show up because you couldn't wait in line and and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. So as long as you had a California address, you could get Pliny the Younger. And given that we actually don't live in California, I sent it to two of my friends who live in California and, uh, yeah, needless to say, I game to the system and got a double dose of Pliny the Younger and it was glorious. Did
2: you have them ship it?
0: And then yeah, so eventually they were shipped to me. Oh, and then furthermore, another friend of mine secretly did it because my birthday was just recently uh, around the same time as the launch. And so he got it as well. I mean, it was the kind of thing I forget the exact statistics, but it was like log in, get your purchase within the time that they, before they sold out. And I think yeah. I did the quick back of the napkin math and they pulled in like $1.3 million revenue in seven minutes or something like that. Yeah, they
2: did a whole economic impact report some years back on Russian River and those two Mm -hmm. weeks, and it's insane, the economic impact on Sonoma County. Anyway, we digress. Yay,
0: bikes. Yay, T. Good stuff.
2: Hey, share share with the listeners how you guys met. This is a glorious story of a group ride, as I recall it, of a group ride in Sonoma-ish County, I like it when Laura starts the story and Ted tries to remember it all. So, but you guys do it however you want. Tell us how you guys met.
1: Well, I, we've, we feel like we have told this story often. So if you've heard it, uh, maybe I'll back up a few steps and tell you a tidbit you maybe have not heard. And that is that I was already anticipating my meeting of Ted, um, I had recently decided I was open to a relationship of some sort and I was curious what was out there, so I downloaded the app Bumble. And who shows up on my app but Ted King? I was aware of him. I think I had read some of his blog and I found him to be very intelligent and a really good writer, so I knew that much about him. Uh, but then I also knew that because Bumble is geographical in nature, that he was nearby. <laughs> and I uh, screenshot him and sent it to another mutual friend who I knew was friends with Ted and said to him, hey, maybe you should introduce us. And he said, I don't think I need to introduce you. You're going to meet him at this mutual meeting birthday party week, bike riding weekend next weekend. And I said, oh, fabulous. Um, so that's this backstory that I haven't often told, but I was aware that Ted was going to be at this party and I was already a bit intrigued.
2: Did you like let the air out of his tires before it went and then show up with a CO2 or any? No, you
1: know? because here's the thing, too. I had to assume that, you know, I don't know, that he's a pro cyclist and who knows what his ego is like, and I don't dare act like I'm actually interested. So, um, I don't think he had any clue that I was, that I had any idea of
2: who he was.
0: Yeah, I would call her motive to act as aloof as possible. I mean, yeah, I, I...
2: And all these years of marriage,
0: it continues, right? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, exactly. She's she's got to be a little bit of a
1: challenge here, Stu.
0: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, backstory established. We roll into our uh, Airbnb for the weekend, and there is Laura and another very good friend of hers. And my God, they're two attractive girls, and I. Turn on my finest uh, suave nature, and yeah, Laura has a wall in front of her, and just will not, cannot be penetrated by this my 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 wit and humor and dropping jokes all the time, and it's just not working. So, I mean, the irony is okay. The irony is here we are. Uh, over the course of the weekend, it was. Uh, it was a whole lot of cyclists, and on one particular day, it was like the the big day that everybody was going to get out and go for a massive 100-mile ride, and, and coincidentally there we were going up King Ridge. Um,
1: hadn't yet gone up King Ridge.
0: Okay, lay it on me. You well, go. Well,
1: there was a major deliberation between this group of 20, call it 25 cyclists, uh, because I don't know, they were... Debating whether to shorten the route for some reason or another. And I was with my girlfriend, Pia, and we just didn't really have time for this standing around mulling over the decisions. And we knew we wanted to do the whole ride, so we just took off on it's King Ridge Road. Laura, I but... <laughs> exactly. So the two of us didn't wait for the group and just carried on with the King Ridge route, which is one of the most iconic and beautiful bike routes, I think, in the world. It's totally world-class and aptly named. But, um, well, then you can carry on. Well, and
2: point of reference on King Ridge, uh, two years ago for the Grasshopper Series, when we did King Ridge, remember, Um, you guys hosted a pre-ride the day before. I want to say it was on a Friday.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I showed up to the group ride, and it was supposed to be the easy... I think you called it a shakeout ride. And we started up King Ridge for this like 45 mile shakeout ride. And I looked down at my computer and I was doing 315 Watts and 315 Watts for me is not a shakeout ride. And so I rode up to the front next to you, Ted. And I said, Hey man, what about shakeout? And you looked at me and you said, I'm in zone two. What are you talking about, man? And I went, Oh, no, I'm in deep trouble. And I just drifted to the back, and that was the last I saw you guys that day. And so we did King Ridge, and then I looped around, and I climbed up the backside of Coleman Valley and then called it a day. Uh,
1: you might have seen me. I was 30 weeks pregnant.
2: No, I didn't. You weren't on the ride that day. You did the shorter version that day. You uh, There were two fine. different rides, remember? And you did the yes. – You stayed flat, and Mig and um, a couple other guys went with Ted up King Ridge. So That's right. Yeah. It was a hoot, but I don't, yeah, there's, there is a
0: challenge that comes in hosting any group not to derivate too far from the story, but we've sort of beaten this story with a dead horse's whip. Um, you know, you, uh, if you were doing 315 Watts, I was probably doing fewer. And then there's a, right, yo- you're doing 250. It's, yeah. It's hard,
2: man. It's and hard. you're like at 250, you're barely turning the pole. I get it. I mean, it's no, I'm, it's no, uh, no shade on you it's just it further serves to prove the massive gap between an amateur cyclist and a monstrous pro and by the way how many weeks pregnant were you, you think laura that week you were uh
1: maybe 30
2: yeah so 30 weeks pregnant laura would have dropped me up the king ridge too so <laughs> let's just like let's be very clear cuz i've ridden up those hills with you too laura and anyway <laughs> okay so anyway back to the party Uh, you're riding up King Ridge. Laura takes off. Laura takes off. I, I am at
0: this crossroads where I see a whole bunch of dude cyclists sort of mulling about what their coach had told them to do for the weekend and whether they need to get back to the city. And then I see Pia and Laura going off in the direction of the bike ride that we're supposed to be doing. And I say, this is literally also the first weekend that I've just moved to California. So I've just retired from a World tour career I decide where I'm going to end up And California seems like a good place And there I am Luckiest guy in the world To meet a whole bunch of You know, a crew of 25 people The first weekend there I am in California And then on top of that I'm seeing these two Lovely ladies right away And I say, I'm going to go in that direction And so we Quickly Group together And we're having a conversation up the hill And Laura will say that she was trying to ask me Long-winded questions So that I wouldn't uh, put her in the, in the, what? Oxygen hurt locker. She wanted to be,
1: we had already dropped PS, So we were obviously riding. Uh, yeah, I was riding hard and trying really hard to not show that I was riding hard.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> make it, you were end. also chasing hard and trying really hard to make it look like you weren't chasing hard too. having already looked him up on Bumble and tried to arrange. So there's that, a theme here. That was all, yeah, <laughs> all elements. Um,
0: get back to the house. Coincidentally, we were also... So it's a birthday weekend there in uh, the some corner hamlet of uh, Sonoma County. But then we also, both Laura and I had to depart that night temporarily to go to a NICA high school award banquet all the way back down in Berkeley. So I, again, I'm the, I'm the new kid on the block and don't know anyone in town. And I'm invited to this event and I show up and I don't, it's a, it's a pretty formal affair and you're supposed to have a table and a assigned seat. And I'd been invited relatively last minute by the good folks at NICA and I didn't have a seat. And I'm like, Oh, the only person literally who I know is either up on the stage announcing who they invited me or this person that I met Laura. And so I poached her goo table. She was working for goo, the nutrition company at the time. Um,
1: and here comes untapped guy Coming over to our table Yeah, Not awkward at all because
0: Hey goo folks let me tell you all about maple syrup He actually syrup.
1: used to be sponsored by goo <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> And he proceeds to sit, sit at our table
0: So then I mean yes It ends up Okay that weekend goes well And then it's actually I mean it's around this time of the year Because it was around the Super Bowl We met up again for a bike ride Another uh, much smaller group ride, there were a half dozen of us or so, and um, this happened to take place in downtown Mill Valley, the Super Bowl party, it was at a, a public, it was a, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a bar, and then we escaped at the uh, maybe before the game or at halftime to go to a local restaurant, get some food, bring it back, and in the mix-up of buying stuff as a small group, I paid for Laura's, and then... Laura catches wind of that afterwards, and she's like, oh, I have an idea. I will offer to take him out. And so, I mean, we don't need to go into all of our dates, but there you go. I thought that was timely given the the connection to the Super Bowl, and here we are approaching the Super Bowl. So how
2: far into the relationship were you when Laura confessed that the plan had been hatched long before you knew, Ted?
0: that is a great question
2: do you have any <laughs> idea
0: i mean you
1: pretty long hour,
0: yeah no 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 i've i have heard it in the interim couple years but it's definitely not the kind of thing that laura's cards close to her chest kind of gal that's great you guys are awesome it was great
2: speaking of uh speaking of being on the road and looking for places to live you guys we all know spent a ton of time in your van especially the last couple of years and I was recently listening to your podcast with Matteo Jorgensen, and you guys were talking van life, and he had asked you about seat heights and things because you guys are tall, which really annoys all of us short people out here. The, <laughs> the difficulties you face in life having to figure out the bed height in your van, I mean... I cry tears for you.
0: Um, well, you're you're an individual. I know you don't spend any shortage of time on an airplane, so you know the struggle is real. You need that leg space. I get it.
2: Yes. I. I yeah, I get lots of airplanes. But here's the good news is I never have an issue with leg space because I'm so <laughs> short. Um, but uh, van stuff, you guys just came off the road, uh, I guess, late fall after a long time anything you're changing in the van over the winter months to adapt better to to growing kids
0: you know the the funny thing about the design of the van is um the kids have full length bunks you could put four adult humans in the van and and you know hayden especially is what realistically less than two feet tall i think And so he could be. We could put like four Haydens in his bed in his in his what I call his lobster trap bed. Um, And and truth be told, yeah, it's not going to be for another five to to ten years that they're really taking up the the full length of the bed. Um, So I think the van is optimized by. Good storage, good efficiencies, good use of space. And maybe that would be the kind of thing, given that everything is adaptable, um, to change that over time. but
1: I think one of the best things we did was have it built on this L-Track system so that everything, you know, someday you can grow out of the way that we've accommodated it and change it again for whatever our needs might be.
2: It's such a cool setup. Everybody was really jealous on the, uh, I call it the Seattle trip, but, you know, the uh, Northwest oh, the- kind of trip we did. That thing, you That's an
1: excellent adventure.
2: Night, wow. night two, I will confess, after you guys left and I was there, I guess it was actually night three, uh, I took Laura's advice and I folded down the seats in my rental van and mm-hmm. tore down my tent and slept in my van because uh, I had an early flight the next day. And it was awesome. I thought this is the best. Minivans are so great.
0: Minivans are great, Uh, which explains why we have three cars currently. Two of them are vans. We're going to sell the third. Um, But yeah, the minivan is the newest addition to the fleet. um, No, that was a really fun trip. And the goal of that was most certainly to camp out and to bike pack and to be part of this Ted's Excellent Adventure crazy group of yahoos want to sign up and have no idea what we're getting into, uh, yourself included. So it was not my intention to sleep in the van, but when the offer was on the table and there we are at the campground and the van was there, I said, I think this might be the spot. Admittedly, I did sleep out night outside the first
2: night. I was going to say, don't sell yourself short. Night one, you rolled in at like 11 o'clock yep. and slept in a bivy. So I, I feel like you should get double credit when you sleep in a bivvy. So, you know. Appreciate it. I got double credit the first night and then
0: uh, 50% demerit the second night. So, I, you know, it was a good average. Yeah, you averaged out. You yeah. averaged out. Yeah.
2: How's the training going out there, guys? It's snowy and sloppy. I'm, I'm seeing your Instagram stuff every day, and you guys are smiling, but... Did you
1: see my Instagram of the calendar of January cloud cover I posted yesterday? yeah it's been, it's been awful a pretty dark and dreary January but it looks brutal things have taken a turn for the better this whole week is sunshine and it couldn't have come at a better time
2: but does that mean now it's wet and sloppy more than normal I because I, I don't know Vermont snow no no I was
0: actually just reading about this a minute ago so yeah we're in this what Laura was alluding to is it has been um, remarkably overcast the sun has not been out. And the, the upshot of that is the cloud cover is what keeps relative warmth in. So it's been a warm month of January. When you have bluebird days and no cloud cover, that's when the freezing cold Arctic air comes in and it and ends up considerably drier. So truth be told, if you're going to have a winter, these are two perfectly fine scenarios. So the first one, January, is that it has been warmer. I think we can both agree it's been a warmer than average January and The thermometer certainly agrees. I think Vermont is six degrees warmer this year than average. So, yeah, if you're going to go outside and ride, that's perfectly fine. You're not incorrect to notice that it has been sloppy and precipitous and and wet, and hence the fenders and a winter bike. And Laura especially riding inside and me riding inside on plenty of occasions, also. But then when Laura is suddenly so excited of having, what, we have like 10 days of forecasted bluebird sunshine. yes. It's also really dry. And therefore the roads, I mean there's the, there's a, a there's an assumption that the roads are super wet and they get snowy and sloppy and gross. And that happens when it precipitates. But right now for the next ten ten days the roads are gonna be bone dry. So
2: we're hitting our street.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not in Arizona.
2: You guys are um, really different, d- man. It is It's raining here in California all this week, and we've got that atmospheric river coming through again, which if you had said that term to me three years ago, I wouldn't have even known what you were saying, and now it's become normal vernacular for us. Mm -hmm. It's brutal. I was in Calgary, Canada last week, Mm -hmm. and I rode every day there. It was warmer in Calgary than it was here in California, and it was bluebird. I mean it was still snowy and ice. And I don't know if you guys saw any of my, on my Instagram stuff. Cause I was riding on ice and snow, which was a little sketchy when it was 40, 41 degrees. Uh, that got a little wonky, but man, I don't know how you guys do it all winter. I did it for two days and I was like, get me back to California. That's, uh,
0: yeah. Alberta is a cold, cold place. And so I don't know if you lucked out by having only in the forties. Um, if I've learned anything about moving to Vermont and calling it home full-time, it's, it's about having the equipment and having the right fenders and the right post-ride cleanup system and the right boot dryer and stuff that you're not going to have when you're on the road. So, I mean, it's taken many years to get to this point. So where you're at in California, are you getting, are you a little bit in the mountains? Are you getting any snow or is it full deluge right now?
2: The the snow is still 30 minutes from us always. So we're at like just under 2000 feet at my house. So we like, we might get a dusting once a year, but, um, we're, we're short of Lake Tahoe by 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So, but it's just raining and windy and awful. So, yeah. Well, then I was looking, I was checking in with a
0: friend who's in Marin and I said, how's the bomb cyclone? And then I flipped open the app and I was looking at Mill Valley weather, and it was like a two two hour window of rain, and the rest was banner sunshine. And and he said, "No, it's actually fine." So it seems incredibly pocketed, like it's up. In it the is, Sierra and it top. and it
2: bounces up against the Sierra, and it kind of hangs with us a bit longer. And let me just be really clear: we're really soft. Yes. So for our listeners who are right now checking the weather to fact check me, I recognize the weather is better than I'm making it sound. We're just really soft here.
1: I don't know. I will still say some of my coldest days have been on those like wet, damp Bay Area mornings or yeah. days. Than even in Vermont.
2: Speaking of which, for our listeners, we should put it in the show notes: a link to Ted's YouTube that he did with the tips on winter riding because they were great. Really, really, really good. Well done. Appreciated. Conver. Yeah, I have no shortage of time to uh,
0: uh, let those ideas marinate in my mind, but then to put them to video format is a lot of work, but I appreciate that. It's been well-received, and that's nice.
2: Everybody should watch it. But you recently got out of the weather and went down to Arizona. Mm -hmm. It -hmm. looked like you were down there the same time Keegan and the crew were all doing big days down in Arizona. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys cross paths? and? How was your training? How'd it go? You did a huge week, like 600, I don't know. It was ridiculous what you put in that week. It was,
0: it was awesome. It was exactly what I needed. Um, I had the original intent of, so I was sort of, I had the plan of going big in 2024, call this a very serious year. And that was back in, uh, call it around Halloween time, courtesy of Laura and our friend Anthony giving me the nudge to say, Hey, you should really do this. And Pretty early on, uh, Laura, yeah, Laura said, hey, you should put it on the calendar. You should go to a warm place so they have this thing to look forward to. And I planted it on the calendar. And then as the date approached, I was looking at the weather here. And it was actually a really nice period of weather. And I'm like, well, man, this would drive me crazy. If I go to Arizona to seek out good weather, I look back at the weather in Vermont. It's great. And then by the time I fly back to Vermont, we're in some sort of epic blizzard. So I shifted dates around. And it all worked out incredibly well. So, yeah, went to Arizona. Did seven, I was there for seven days. Um, Road, it was two days on, one day easy, two days on, travel day. So, I mean, whatever that amounts to. What's what's funny is, yes, Keegan was there and um, Russ is there and Griffin Easter is there and these people who are there for, Months. I mean, they own real estate or they're they're there for the entire winter. And that's a period of life that I've been in also. Um, the place I was staying was near the apartment building that I stayed when I did a semester at the University of Arizona. So it was very much like going back in time. Um, and so showing up on the group rides, I mean, I keep on referencing this. It's like you see the same sorts of faces. You see the young go-getters. You see the aspiring pros. You see the juniors. You see the, the college kids the same energy. And it's like the faces change a bit, but the, the characters are the same. Um, it was, it was a blast. It was really nice, massive chunk of training.
2: Yeah. You put in big, big miles and you felt good on the back end and no sickness. And
0: yeah, I mean, knock on wood, I'm a healthy, I just sort of put my head down and do it and, and grind through training and I'm not prone to getting sick. Um, even though, yeah, theoretically, a lot of big block of training will diminish your immune system and that sort of thing. I just come from hearty stock or something like that. I mean, I don't really get sick. I mean, well, you know, hit end recording this podcast. I wake up with a cold tomorrow, but, uh, no, truth be told, I I came out of it feeling great. I've continued the training here. Um, did two, six hour rides last week, two, six hour rides coming up this week, a seven hour ride next week. You gotta you gotta move the pieces around a little bit, but I have an amazing coach. Um that I'm he's enjoying working with me. Uh the feeling is mutual reciprocating. He's I'm I'm really enjoying working with him. And I say that because, you know, he he gives me the training. I do it with very few nudges of the calendar, and he's like, Man, I just really appreciate that you're doing what I'm asking.
2: How's that work at home? Because I like, for example, I saw you guys posted up. You know, you did a big one the other day, Ted, going up to going up north, I think, maybe to your folks' house. Laura, you snuck in a big ride. Like, talk an average Joe through that that dance, because we're not talking about a ride-along spouse who's supporting his or her spouse who's a professional athlete. You guys are both doing this at a high level. Like even just the other day, how did that work for you guys, Laura? How does that work for you as you do the juggle together?
1: Well, that's one of our favorite, I guess, tricks for fitting it all in is are there ever times where one spouse is driving somewhere and it's and the other can ride to whatever destination that might be? Because it's not it doesn't feel like you're missing out on something, you know, you're missing out on car time. Um, and one of our favorite places to do that is when we're going down to visit Ted's folks, they're like, what, 200 miles. We have done the full, or maybe 180 between 180 and 200 miles. We've done that full ride. Um, it's beautiful. It's, you can do so many different variations. Um, but in the winter, let's see, Ted, you needed to do a five hour-ish ride and you ended up making it Hundred and ten miles,
0: yeah, give or take. I think I had five and a half. No, I had s- what I don't want to dive t- details too deep. Call it six hours. Did one hundred and ten miles,
1: and it was really well coordinated. I think we've just without mm, without us trading too many details. I mean, I think the way we ride these days is uh, the most efficient as possible. Um, rarely making a stop. Rarely just continuing to press on so that we're keeping on schedule and on track. I, I know that at least that's the way I've been approaching it. And I think you just approach all your rides that way, Ted. Um, so Ted just told me, hey, leave around 3 p.m. And I picked him up halfway and met him at the co-op <laughs> and we carried on from there. And then um, Sunday did the same thing, but I headed headed back to Vermont and they picked me up. 80 or so miles from the start.
2: So it can
0: be done. Um, it can be done. I, my, my mom loves looking at maps. And she happens to follow both me and Laura on Find My Friends. And so she's, she's at home yesterday watching the two dots coordinate and triangulate to end up at the same place as I am driving to pick up Laura. Uh, When Laura says it's one of our favorite things, yes, it's one of our favorite things to be able to pull off this feat, but there's a lot of uh, coordination that goes into it um, entirely on my part, because I need to plot the route, I need to anticipate the departure time, I need to anticipate the exact average speed um, so that the person driving is going to happily arrive at the uh, destination at the exact same time as, as the rider, especially if Laura is the person driving the car, because heaven forbid I make her wait. So, um, yeah, it is one of our favorite things. And I feel like a hero when
2: I pull it off, but it's one of our favorite things. As long as Ted doesn't screw it up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Stu. Thanks. Which is really one of my favorite things too, is if, you know, my so, yeah. spouse will plan everything for me, you know, and then just set me free.
0: Right, and notice <laughs> uh, it works perfectly. How
2: interesting! I think did that we may happen? be slipping into into uh, marriage counseling here real soon. Uh, no, I'm kidding.
0: How about how do you do it? Because I, I I believe your spouse does not ride a bike.
2: No, Jen doesn't ride, but she loves that I ride because I turn into a bit of a monster if I go more than a couple of days without riding. And honestly, for me. Because my work takes me out of town almost every week, I just fly with my bike everywhere I go. And so I almost plan my cycling and my training around travel, where I think most people, when they travel for work, they stop exercising and then come home and get back to their rhythm. I'm actually in better rhythm when I'm on the road because all I have to do when I'm on the road is my work meetings and then I train and I ride. And it's fun because I'm in a new place and I love to explore and I love to be lost. And so, you know, last week I was in Calgary and got to ride on ice and snow for two days and it was a hoot. And then, you know, came in and took a quick shower and ate a snack and gave my talks. And then the next that night I'm in my hotel room planning out my route for the next day. So
0: so. that's what I was going to ask is what, what software do do you use? What apps do you use? How do you
2: plan out your routes? I bounce around, so I just moved to Garmin uh-huh. from a different competitor, and I'm still learning that. And I'm not great with technology, so my learning curve is probably not indicative of a normal learning curve. But I typically go to uh, ride the GPS, and I'll search the area I'm going to be, and kind of cross my fingers that something pops up. Mm-hmm. And if something pops up near that somebody else has done, then I'll just Download it, adjust their thing, and then re upload it. Um, that's probably what I do the most. But I also, I love to just go out and get lost. So, especially if I've got, you know, three hours for a ride, I don't mind just going out and riding and then just hitting that button. You know, what did we do 15 years ago when we had a Thomas guide? You know, I used to print those out, but now I can just click the little button, return to start, and it will just map me back home. And so I do that a lot where I'll just, Ride out, you know, an hour, hour fifteen minutes in a direction. If I have three hours, and then just hit return to start, and it'll map me back. So, the technology is killer.
1: Oh, I've never used that function.
2: Uh, the technology is amazing. How
0: quickly it is becoming adapted. I mean, the the ability to sync everything, to create the route, to have it wirelessly go here, there, and everywhere. Um, yeah, I think that has happened. In a very bumbling sense for many years, and then all of a sudden, I'm finding it seamless, and I love it.
2: Are you doing all your mapping on Ride with GPS? I ride, yeah. I map with Ride
0: with GPS. If I happen to get a Strava route, uh, I will, you know, take the GPX file, and you can easily drop it into the Ride with GPS. I just find their software simpler. I like their heat maps, the global heat maps that have already pre-exist. I like those even more. They do have, to your point, you can you know, see what other people have done for particular routes. When you enter in a variety of criteria, like here's the distance, here's the type of terrain I want to use. Um, yeah, so create it that way. You hit the pin to, or the pin button. And then in the Garmin app, it will send it directly to the Garmin itself.
2: great! Uh, yeah, it's pretty seamless. I love it. I love it. Uh, transitioning from talking about mapping to no mapping,
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're on Zwift, and you've had a good week on Zwift am i are I, we allowed to talk about this? Is this like are you closet training are you you know no no you- most certainly not
0: closet training that is for certain yeah i so here's the secret to Zwift one there are a couple secrets I guess one you take everything with a grain of salt right because if you if you take the the game literally and you see somebody doing 15 watts per kilogram for seven minutes in a row, and they go away for the win, that's the kind of stuff that's going to drive you crazy. And there you are in your basement, screaming at a computer, and it doesn't make any sense. The other amazing tidbit when it comes to racing is to join a club or a team of people that you actually know in the real world. And so, in particular... This started probably three or four years ago, and that beep in the background is literally the Discord app because that is how we communicate, um, which is a perfect example because it's this sort of nonstop chatter that takes place all throughout the week. We're talking about the most inane stuff. And then as the race, the, the weekly race approaches, then we're also talking about the race itself. And, okay, this is a sprinter's race, so our sprinters are going to do well. And, um. There are more than enough members than we need to field an actual team. I think you need to do six on a team. Um, and in particular, in the race itself, that's where it really comes into importance because we're communicating. Like that, we have somebody, quote, in the team car or they happen to be in the race, and they're telling you exactly what to do. Like, hey, we got a sprint coming up. Everybody start getting on the gas. And, uh, okay, who wants to go for this attack? Oh, there's a guy out the road. Somebody go cover that. And it just makes it so much more real world as opposed to if you're purely an island of one, if you're one person trying to play the game, that's where it can be infuriating because you're going to get one, one one-upped by these teams, and two, just annoyed the heck out of the racing itself. So the, The ultimate punchline is I've probably done 40 or 50 Zwift races ever, and I think I've won fewer than can fit on three fingers. And there I was doing my first Zwift race in two years, maybe a year and a half. It's been a long time. And I won it. And I, I felt like a hero. And it was, you know, there I am at 8.30 at night in my basement. I text Laura. I'm like, hey, I won. And five minutes later, she's like, well, actually, she was excited.
1: Well, actually, I had been in the basement for a good half hour watching all of this unfold because... Well, one, Ted had said, you can come downstairs and cheer for me if you want. Totally kidding.
0: Flippantly. But Yes. Amazing.
1: But I was sort of interested. So I popped down there to see what was happening. And I found myself totally engrossed in the race because he gave me an earbud. And I could hear yeah. the chatter and hear Kevin coaching, Kevin Bouchard Hall coaching them. And suddenly I was like, I wanted to know what was going to happen. And I was watching. There were sprints every few minutes so it was
0: was a points race
1: interesting
0: it was it was neat because i've talked about this group before i've talked about what the races are like i've talked about the communication is like and i'm sure this is in one year out the other for laura like that sounds so nerdy and boring so when she actually came down i was like oh this is kind of cool and then furthermore after she had been downstairs for 15 minutes i was like you realize i was kidding you don't actually need to stay here for the end of the race I was I was thrilled she was there and and that was my podium kiss that evening. Um, oh, that's sweet. It was neat, you know. It's like you're just what is it? Clapping with one hand. I mean, you no, know, you're like creating this big thing and then you look around. And you're like, all right, that's another Swift race. You know, it happened in a vacuum. Um, and done, right? Yeah, it was. It was a nice. I don't even know what, I mean, one, it could be dumb luck or two, it could be a nice little pat on the back that the the training I've been doing for the past three months is actually starting to hit its stride. So who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's a one-off 50 minute race at bleeding eye speed and it was, it was a fun Tuesday evening. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: That's Awesome. You ever do any Zwift nerdery? No, man. No. Like, here's the thing. I've been getting back on my rollers mm-hmm. and I feel like the oldest human alive. Cause I may be the only guy still riding rollers. Um, no rollers are still a good proving ground for like
0: having your chops and knowing, knowing what's up. People, people really appreciate rollers. I,
2: like, I get off my rollers after 90 minutes on those things. And the next day I hurt everywhere. And you, it, it reminds you, oh, you're not pedaling perfect circles anymore. Like it, cause the rollers force it. If you don't pedal a good circle and you don't sit right on the bike the next day you feel it. And so I, I know I sound like an old guy now, but I love those rollers. Um, and obviously you're not going to connect those to Zwift. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm not a Zwifter. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you can only do so many things, you know, it's true. truth, truth
0: when it when it accentuates your pedal stroke if you're not pedaling a smooth pedal stroke
2: are you saying even more so than on the road oh, like, 100% okay 100% cuz you'll fly off those things if you start pedaling squares on rollers you'll come off of them you'll and usually for me if i'm not pedaling good circles especially if i'm putting down power i'll come off the back of them because huh. you've got that dead spot in your pedal stroke and there's so much momentum. You just shoot off the back and then you shoot off the back. And it's like a Flintstones episode yeah. when you go flying through the garage door or, you know, whatever else is in the way. Um, so, and I just find them to be so good for position yeah. because you, you know, again, it's not even like a trainer where you can coast and it's not like a Peloton where you can let it sort of spin itself You've got to keep those things moving. So I'm a big fan of rollers and I know that that's like, you know, a little passe these days, but uh, I really do find they help me a ton, especially as an amateur who would probably gain more benefit from pedaling more efficiently than would be by trying to increase my FTP by, you know, 40 or something, which, you know, is unlikely. How about, do you remember the, the cranks that
0: were two independent cranks?
2: No, I don't.
0: Oh, man. I, I, I'm i going to timestamp these sometime in the mid-90s, maybe early 90s. They were certainly around in the late 90s, but they were probably leaving the, the, the realm of importance. It was two independent cranks. So if you put your bike against the wall, uh, gravity would bring them both to the bottom. So they're both at 6 o'clock. The whole point being, you have to pedal a full pedal stroke. Right. And so once you get them in sync, then you feel normal. But as soon as you stop pedaling, oh man, I don't even know what they're called. Uh,
2: Oh man, we've got to find something on eBay. Listeners, please, you know, launch into the, into the comments and tell us where to find it. Speaking of equipment, tell us about tires. Uh, Gravel season starting. We're going to talk about your first races coming up here as we close this week's episode, but talk a little bit about gravel tires and, and ultimately, I know that it's an age-old argument, but I have noticed you will go slicks, both of you, when a lot of other people are running knobbies mm-hmm. and handle your bikes beautifully. I would, I would argue the case that maybe us amateurs are faffing around with knobbies more than we need to, and we could get some really good slicks. But correct me if I'm wrong. Wax eloquently.
0: So I think we'll 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 start with the sponsor plug. Renee Hearst is our tire sponsor and they make two tread patterns. One is a hundred percent slick and the other one is a knobby tire. And then from there, you're just purely choosing the width. So they have various widths of slick and various widths of the same looking tread, which to an uninformed or informed eye, the tread pattern is um, very simple. It's large treads. It's a big, uh, big old knob. Exactly. I mean, it's very, it's almost like a mid nineties mountain bike tire, very basic. But the, the positive of that is you have a heck of a lot of, um, footprint on the ground, the amount of rubber that is touching the ground at any given time. So back to the original question. Yes, we ride slicks more often than not, because again, with at At lower pressure, a really wide slick is going to give you more ground contact point and therefore a lot more traction. Um, There is most certainly a time and place for knobs, and just the intuition will tell you that you need to have the knobs be able to link into the ground. So if you're riding really hard, hard pack, like the the dirt that is, you know, if you can picture after a rainstorm and it's almost just this impenetrable concrete dirt and you're not going to be able to stick a, a knob into that, that's the kind of situation where you really want to have that, the large footprint slick. A knob, in my opinion, is for muddy conditions, snowy conditions, grassy conditions, damp conditions where, where you can really take a corner and dive into the corner. And there's also so many races these days that are so gosh darn long. They're just going straight and straight and straight for 20 minutes. Then you're going to take a 90 degree right, straight and straight and straight, 90 degree left. Like that's where you can't, you really don't need a, super reactive tire so to speak um i'm the resident mechanic uh and so Laura will often say well what tire should i run and i'll say well you already put it on your bike so don't worry about it
2: but <laughs> so Laura do you just run whatever he puts on there
1: no we have discussions about it sometimes he's had to put a different tire on after he mounted a certain tire
0: <laughs> he didn't even use the word begrudgingly even though it- yeah I mean, more often than not, she trusts my opinion. I there do. are times that yeah. I, I change the tire.
1: No, I very much trust his opinion. I think you were the one that talked me into running slicks at Unbound 100 this year. and Yeah. Um, I was nervous about that and ended up being a great decision. Wait, I mean, you ran slicks at Unbound? I did.
2: Because you know, it was sloppy, muddy through, through mile 10. I was
1: going to – either way, I was going to run sure. slicks. Yeah.
2: I think
0: in 2021 –
1: that was one of the first times you ran
0: slicks. 2021, I ran slicks. And I think I'm not putting a flag in my ground in the ground to say I am the first person to do it. But I would argue that I'm the first person to run slicks at Unbound. 100%. Really? And then it's been this massive transformation. Because people are recognizing what Jan has been saying, Jan and Renee Harris, for years. Just right. like, look, you're going straight. And a, a, a wide slick at low pressure has so much traction. And you're not you're not overwhelmed with with rolling resistance. Every study shows that you can just keep dropping pressure, 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 dropping the pressure, and still having the same rolling resistance as higher pressures. So it's a better grip. It's it it intuitively you go through all the arguments and it just makes complete sense. So
1: I also as a, light, a lighter rider, um, I feel a little bit. I mean, I feel the differences. And if I can opt for a slick, I would, I prefer to. I feel, I just feel, I feel a little bit less resistance.
0: So Laura's a really good candidate for the different compounds. And Renee has basically three compounds. They have an extra light, they have a standard casing and an endurance or sometimes even an endurance plus. So like that's a really impenetrable casing. Extra light is incredibly plush. A lighter rider like Laura you' I feel like you're gonna even notice the the suppleness of the tire even more and you're not gonna be so prone to bash through it like someone of my six foot three stature um, but what is also great about what Jan says and what any true tire aficionado will say is like run the tire that gives you the most confidence so maybe maybe the Engineering says that a 48 slick is for you, but Hey, I have this race and I really want to be on a 38 slick. Well then run the 38 slick, like run the tire. That's going to make you feel the best and the most confident.
2: Yeah. I think that's key because it's like, that is the thing that is touching the earth all the time, right? So you may not be touching your handlebars all the time or your hoods or other things, but man, your your tires are always touching. So that confidence is so key. That's sure. no, awesome. What's next? We talked a little bit about Unbound. That, that's a ways off. But what's the first race of the year? Outside of just going out and cleaning up Zwift races and making amateurs <laughs> sad at night, um, where, where, uh, where, where's the first before, gravel before, event for you two?
1: Well, before any race, I'm training for training camp.
0: Training camp East.
1: <laughs> We're headed to training camp in three weeks in Mallorca.
0: Yay! Is this...
2: Tell us about it.
1: Uh, I think the deal upon moving to Vermont that I made uh, initially was, that's wonderful. I will embrace living in Vermont, but I must leave every winter, maybe multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and twist his arm, right? We we love traveling. We love getting away to get on some new roads. We had a great reason to bring together. Um, actually, we didn't, but we are joining a group of our dear friends. So it's kind of an opportunity to see dear friends, to, to all share our love of riding together, get some good early miles in, and hopefully um, score on some great Mallorca weather, we're hoping.
2: How long are you guys there for?
0: Uh, it'll be a week and yeah, I did a training camp there once. I think the only one I did was 2015. Um, and then a couple of this group were there a year ago. Um, and they said, man, oh man, like you guys, you just got to go. So I'm excited to go back with a different perspective of no longer world tour racer. Um, and then, so that segues, Directly, I'll go from there straight to uh, Valley of Tears, which is a new gravel race in Turkey, Texas. It's being kicked off by Caleb Fairley, who is a former world Tour buddy colleague, North American friend of mine, um, fellow Jeronin. So it's really cool to see them turning this this, you know it, we recognize the effort and work that goes into creating an event um, to creating a big gravel event and I mean man, oh man, it seems like they're doing a lot of really good things. So twenty dollar entry fee, ValueteersGravel Check
2: it out. Unheard of in the new world of gravel. Twenty dollar entry fee. Twenty dollars. I didn't know that. Yeah. Unbelievable. They still have a room. I think so. I gotta assume so. I don't think
0: these first year events sell out very easily. So check it out. Yeah. Affiliate yeah. code Ted King. Affiliate code Ted King twenty four will give you the twenty dollar full price fee.
1: Actually, the photos <laughs> the photos of the course look quite beautiful for what I imagine in Texas, and they look compelling. So you should check it out.
2: Well, and you've had a long love affair with Gravelocos, which is, I mean, not in the same part yeah. of Texas, but down in Texas, too. So some good tune-up stuff down there, right? 100%. Yeah, we're definitely going to head back there in May.
0: Uh, let me think. I want to say two weeks before Unbound?
1: Three? Yeah, two.
0: Two? two. two. So yeah, two weeks before Unbound. Two. Ridiculous ridiculously good preparation. I mean, that's 150 miles. Uh, Fabian has become a very good friend. He's the the promoter and creator of that. It's funny because I sort of kicked myself at that distance. He asked me years ago, Hey, what should the distance of gravel locos, the big one be? And I was like, hundreds mm, too short, two hundred too long. Let's do 150. And now I'm like, man, 150 is too long. Fabian, you got to, you got to reel it in. But the event is called the GL 150. So it's sort of hard to, to retract on that. But for sure, I will be at Gravelocos. We will be at Gravelocos. Oh, you're both gone.
1: Yeah. And then we'll probably just head to Emporia straight after that mm-hmm. and hang out in Emporia and get some early kind of calm before the storm riding and acclimating in.
2: Awesome. A uh, north route this year? Yep.
0: I thought so. Yeah, I'm laughing because someone asked me the other day. I was like, I
2: don't actually know. Ted King laughs. I believe it's a northern route this year. I think so. Yep. That's correct. Well.
1: What about you, Sue? Uh,
2: what's up for me? I, oh, here's We can maybe talk about this on the next episode, but because I'm going to need your help. I'm going to do my first overnight 16-hour-ish ride uh, the first week of April. So cool. I'm getting ready for that. I've never done a ride all night ride, and I've heard some things. And so I'm going to do it. So I'm going to ride here from my house uh, all the way up to the city I grew up in, in Redding. It's mostly flat all the way there. Uh, 4,000 feet of climbing in 200 miles. So pretty flat, right? We're talking overpasses.
0: Yeah. Those are big overpasses. That ain't Florida.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a few little little bumps there. but So that's what I'm kind of getting ready for right now, 1st of April. And trying to get ready to pedal I think it's gonna take me I think it's gonna take me fifteen hours total I think I can do it in 14 hour pedal time but uh never ridden more than ten hours so I like it uh, that sounds like excellent fodder for I think like, it'd be a good conversation, conversation. next go around, yeah. and you can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can pick holes in what I'm doing wrong uh-huh. and then um you know uh tell me how many pounds of untapped uh should be in my in
0: straight gallons yes right just a big gallon so
2: that's what's coming up for me um we've got a couple local gravel events uh i was gonna try to get into unbound again i've tried for three years in a row and and never got in through the lottery and last year sent the greatest email that's ever been sent to chemo Uh, (laughs) um and he responded to my email this might not be good for listeners he responded but told me sorry pal i'm not getting you got to you got to go through the normal channels um he's very nice but he did not give me the back the back uh door entry to get into that race so anyway uh, not doing unbound i've got a kid graduating college that week uh so i'm doing a bunch of regional stuff but the big 200 mile all nighter is what's on my mind every day right now. I love it. Yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Those those, those sort of rides keep you on your toes. Yeah, I mean, I like to your point, it's the stuff that you're thinking about all the time. You're like, yeah. what can I tweak with my kit? What can I, right? What can I change? How can I be training better? Anyway, cool. Let's let's break that down next time. Yeah,
2: let's do it. Well, hey, it's been a great episode, a great chat, Ted and Laura King. Thanks for letting all of us into your. Beautiful and expansive world. Until next time. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Stu. Take care.